Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 10, Nidal and Agri. Hello and welcome to Trollodron Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey. In this episode, we'll be talking about two particular titans of note as we start to wrap up the titanic timeline of rulers who bridge the gap between the very first titanic ruler and into the first god and the founding of the Trollodron pantheon. But first, let me do a quick sidetrack here and remind people, if you are not aware of this, if you are again, please bear with me. I thank you for your patience. I just want to remind people that this is October now. This episode is dropping October 2020. And I wanted to make you aware, who might not be aware, that Return of the Wizard King is available for purchase online and in bookstores all across the country and even across the world. It might even be available at a bookshelf near you in your local library. It's also an audiobook and a digital copy, so take advantage of that. One benefit that I'm really liking, I think it's a benefit to people that are picking it up, is that it is an affordably priced book, at least the trade paperback is, and the digital one too. And for what I hear, it's pretty decently priced for audio, as far as that goes. They made an effort to make it a nice introductory price, which I think even with the special discounts and things you'll find online or even sales in bookstores, makes it kind of an attractive piece to pick up and take a take a chance on if you want it. Explore some fun action-adventure fantasy in more of an escapist vein for uh, your reading pleasure. Again, I'm be doing a book tour that is wrapping up this month in October. The latter portion of the tour will be some online uh, virtual events tied mainly to my social media channel. So if you are not able to have participated yet at any of the events in September or that will be taking place in October, I would encourage you to check that out. It's free. It just takes some of your time, obviously, but it's free to check out. And I will be doing them more or less kind of like a, a Q&A session involved in there, too. So if you want to ask some questions in there as well, we have the opportunity to do that and um, see how that goes. This will be my first time doing this digitally, so we'll find out how that goes online with uh, Q&A and all that fun stuff of uh, live streaming and stuff. So it should be an interesting experience either way, I guess I'm trying to say. So I will encourage you to check that out again, chadcorey.com. Go to the events page and you can see more information about where and where I'll be, what's going on, where I'll be, all that fun stuff. And if you haven't been able to take a look at the book yet, again, chadcorey.com. There's there's sample chapter, audio reading, sample audio reading, uh, reviews, all, all sorts of stuff you might need to help you make a more informed decision. All right, that's it for the pitch. Let's get back into the episode today. And we're talking about two people in particular. We mentioned them in passing the last episode, episode 9. These are two of the three sons from uh, Endurus's legacy, I guess you can say. He was so dead set on making his name for himself, conquering and being the bloody emperor that he was, that he didn't really have a lot of time to sire sons. And again, because of the tradition built up into the lineage, it's always been assumed that the first, the eldest son, would succeed the father, take over, and rule the ever-growing empire. And in Endurus's time, he was truly dead set on trying to make his way into a cosmic empire. He obviously had a, a big way to go since the cosmos was an ever-expanding place, but 
he was doing his best to take on the solar system and get that under his belt. And by the time of his uh, near death here, he was very close to achieving that and getting everything finally under his control. But as we mentioned in the previous episode, there was always revolts. There was always uh, plots and things he had to put down and just things that in his eyes were, you know, thorns in the side, just basically a hindrance to diversion of his talent and time and resources to rather than conquering and taking on more territory. And that just aggravated him to no end. But he pushed on and did what he could. However, during a more bloody and longer-lasting revolt, he realized that he had to take matters a little bit more seriously and begin to think about more of the long term, especially in terms of rulership and the continuation of the empire, to make sure the empire, which he often put in his rearview mirror, was kind of more than just an afterthought, something that could be run and maintained so he even had an empire to rule when he turned his back after conquering everything. And that's where he took an interest in his sons, his three sons, uh, the only sons he had. Unlike other rulers we mentioned previously, he didn't have a lot of sons. And so that in and of itself made him vulnerable in some people's eyes because it's a lot easier to take out three people than it is, you know, a bunch of them. And it's a lot easier to keep tabs on three different people or even influence three different individuals to try and get a hold of or have them go off and kill their father as well. So there's a lot of plotting and things that he didn't want to get into and didn't want to see develop in his absence after he finally put everything down in this last bloody revolt. And so what he did is he took his eldest son, who was named Nidal, and said, hey, let's let's begin the, the joint rulership thing here and begin. I'll begin giving you some more power and begin grooming you for, for taking over. Because he also saw the benefit of having his son become maybe like a Lord General or something where he would be more more in charge of the forces in, in some aspects, giving him, him being endurance, the aspect of more control and ability to do what he liked to do on his own without having to be always diverting his attention on stuff, the, the needless stuff, as he would see it. And so that was part of his plan. He also wanted to keep his, his other sons kind of within the, the same orbit. He didn't always think they were the best fit. Obviously, he thought his eldest son was the de facto next emperor in line, but he did keep Agri close by or, or keep tabs on him and try to help him out in some ways to get him groomed as well as a, as a possible backup. But he never really thought of him as much of a a decent qualified candidate. He seemed more interested in the shadowy aspects of policy and politics and was more of a thinker and orator than the person of action that kind of didn't discuss but didn't really set him on high terms with his father. And then, of course, there was Vicar, the, the, the youngest, the third uh, child, the son, who was more of a titan lord. And that really didn't sit well with Endurus. As we mentioned previously, he tolerated the titan lords, but he saw them as more and more of a rising threat, especially with their ability to manipulate and control the various cosmic elements. He thought, obviously, that's a great benefit to have for his war effort, but he didn't necessarily want to have that turned around and used against him. So he was walking more and more of a fine line and trying to figure out how to control and and take more influence over the various Titan Lords and what were they're, they're doing about. And so obviously his son on one hand was kind of quasi-suspect, but also maybe a tool he could use, or if he could twist the right way, maybe he could use him to be the leader of all the Titan Lords and have him kind of dominate that aspect and give Endurus a, a control or a foot in the door as far as that goes. So obviously there's a lot of different things he's trying to work, but uh, he didn't really get his chance to take advantage of that because his sons had some other plans, as we will see in this episode. 
Now, they were for a long, for a period of time, I won't say a long time, but for a period of time, things seemed to go pretty well after the, the most bloody recent revolt. Nido was a decent character. He was seeming to be coming along in his training. He seemed to be a, a wonderful emperor in training. And uh, Endurus couldn't be happier. He thought he was doing a really good job, and he was just excited to get out and then chomping the bit to go out there again and put his army in the field and just kind of take over new territory rather than fighting old territory that he'd already claimed and conquered. And for a period of time, that seemed to go seemed to go kind of well. But there were some other things at work, and namely, the big one was Agri. Now, Agri was, like we've mentioned, more the political operative kind of guy. He was more of the palace intrigue kind of individual, a thinker, a smart kind of guy who didn't really see fighting or warfare as his forte because obviously his father was really good at it and his eldest son was great. So he couldn't really compete against his brother in that front. So like a lot of middle kids, he tried to find his own way. And that was in the, the books and the, the politics and the, the scheming and the, 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 the chit-chat and more of what we considered the soft life, the palace life, I guess, as Endurance would see it. But he made, made some inroads, and he did a lot of good, a lot of benefits. He saw all the ways that his father was failing. He saw all the ways that his brother uh, Nidal would fail if he were to take the reins of power because he just didn't know how to run the nuts and bolts of the empire. And that was something that Angry did. And he made sure everyone knew he knew how to do that in certain circles. He would go out of his way putting on parties and events and in social events saying, hey, you know, I know how to do stuff. I'm, if it wasn't for me, my father would basically have no empire. Letting people know that he was a suitable replacement, a, someone, a decent quality guy that, hey, if you want to have some stability, maybe have some more freedoms, I'd be the guy to, to take on and, and do some things with. And that began to snowball and more covertly, so-and-so more and more. And he began to plot plans of succession and overthrow. And eventually he was able to find some willing ears because especially after the bloody revolt that took place recently with his father, people were just tired of it. They were tired of this ongoing war that never had an end. They didn't see any benefits of what was going on with this empire because any benefits that came in were automatically redistributed and refunneled back into the war effort because he had to keep conquering. He had to keep his troops happy. He had to keep going forward. So they really didn't get all the benefits of what all these new frontiers were being provided for, for the empire. And, of course, there were things that were neglected, their infrastructure, all, all the common things, like I said, you would think that you need to maintain for an, an empire were not getting the proper attention they needed. And this is where Angry really took advantage of the, the sentiment and used it to his own benefit and formed a movement to oust his father. And he was successful. He conquered uh, the people in the capital city of Thanis and basically just took over the throne and said, hey, I'm emperor. And people liked it. Wisely enough, Vicar kind of stayed out of it. He kind of stayed, let it be known that he wasn't going to interfere necessarily. But he, he found a way to secretly get away and not be in the, in the environment when all this took place, which gave him, of course, a nice convenient alibi he could use later on when things turned the way they did. But for a period of time, a short period of time, a few months actually, or actually about a year at the most, he was the ruler, Nidal, I mean, uh, Agri, excuse me, was the ruler of the empire, at least as far as the planet was concerned. Now, that did not sit well, obviously, with his father once he found out the news, nor did it sit well with Nidal because, hey, this is my emperor I'm going to inherit. What are you trying to do? 
So they were two very angry individuals, and even more angry that they said, hey, we just put down a revolt. Now we got to come back and t- divert all our attention and effort and time and talent and soldiers and stuff all the way back and fight that again. And so they, that's what they did. It was another long, bloody thing that took too much lives, too much treasure, and just was a terrible thing for everybody involved. But they were successful, and they finally were able to rout Nidal from the throne, and they were going after him to, to take him out. And that's when Vakar saw his opportunity, which we'll get to in the next episode. But what I wanted to do with this episode is talk about Nidal and Agri, because even though they're not rulers, although Agri did get to sit on the throne for a very short period of time, as would Nidal, we'll talk about in just a moment here. They were very important characters and aspects to the Titanic history and empire and timeline because you can argue without them and their actions and what they were able to do and implement, you would not have the opportunity and the opening for Ricard to make and allow him to step into the final place of ultimate emperor and eventually the first god of Trilodon, which again we'll talk about next episode. But backtracking here, what happened was, of course, Nidal and his father came. They just they have an overwhelming force. Agri didn't have the overall cosmic army on his defense. He had basically the planet and maybe some, some local troops and things with him. But when they saw things turning, they were not going to stay and duke it out. So they fled, and that's when they were pursued by Nidal and his father. And it was during that pursuit and that fight that Endurus died. Obviously, that was very upsetting to both brothers, uh, obviously more so than the Nidal than anyone else, but Nidal used the opportunity to proclaim himself the emperor and the official and ultimate emperor and ruler of the empire since he was the first son, the eldest son, and the tradition was in place, and he didn't usurp it. He took it properly by assuming it through the proper channels. And this, of course, only elevated his position against Agri, who now was seen in even less favorable light, and people were looking to desert from him more and more, which put him in a very precarious situation where he didn't really know where he could flee to, because obviously his brother had control of the complete solar system-wide empire, and he also didn't know who might turn him in or rot him out, because he had previously shared some secrets with others for his plans and such. So he wasn't wasn't sure what he, if he should keep fighting or try and flee, but for the moment all he could do is flee, and that just allowed Nidal to follow after him and try and crush him, bringing his hopeful rebellion to a very sudden and bloody end. It also allowed Vakar to make his move. For up until this point, Vakar presented himself as a very honorable son who didn't really want to have any interest with the throne, didn't really want to have any interest with the empire. He just wanted to pursue what he was studying, and that was it. And that's how he presented himself to Nidal when he arrived as the official emperor of the Titanic Empire. And he basically, by not being part of Agri's revolt, and by not being present or anywhere near around the vicinity where Agri was making his moves, Vakar provided himself the perfect alibi and the perfect presentation of the dutiful, helpful brother and son of Endurus who would want to help his brother become emperor and didn't have any ambitions beyond what I said earlier, his, his titanic lordship. And that seemed to be fine with Nidal. He would talk to him more about it later after he got back, but he said, okay, that's cool, we can do that. Didn't have any issue with it because, again, he didn't really think much of Vicar anyway. He wanted to go off and take care of Agri and deal with him and uh, come back and rule from there. 
And that's where we're going to wrap up this particular episode. We'll talk more about how everything plays out and the final aspects of that Titanic line and how everything ended. Next episode, we talk about Vicar and maybe even a little bit about his wife, Zora. And as I said before, if you have any questions about anything or any comments you wanted to share about any of this or the podcast in general or just questions in general about Trollodron, feel free to send it my way at lore, that's L-O-R-E, at chadcorrie, C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.